Yeehaw and welcome to another episode of Rafi's Roundup. I am, of course, your host, Rafi. And on this podcast, I talk about whatever it is I want to talk about this week. And uh, today, I have... I, I just noticed doing the opening, I have the energy of somebody who hasn't been working his ass off in the heat. Um, I complain about work a lot when I do this podcast. And, uh, you know, it's... It's a little bit of a two-sided sword. Is that a metaphor that people use? It's a little two-sided for me because um, I I, <laughs> I have a lot to complain about in regards to my job, um, but I really can't do anything about it. And I feel like, if I can sit in a therapy chair for a minute, I feel like, I feel guilty when I complain about my job, because I know there are people that have worse th- that have worse jobs, or people that don't have jobs at all, but like, I'm trying to be more aware of self care and trying to express my honesty more in the last couple of years, and uh, it has just not been fun. <laughs> uh, it's been, you know, obviously very hot out. Where we're in August. I just checked the calendar so I can remind myself. Um, but yeah, I've just been working a lot. Um, that's why I didn't record last week, but I made sure I had stuff for last week. Um, I've just been tired, and I've just I've, it feels like. I mean, obviously, I work more days than I don't work, but it it really feels that way recently. Um, again, this isn't something that is unique to me, but I just worked, uh, three days in a row, which is something I don't usually do, and, uh, the amount of work has just been a lot recently, um, Macy and I are starting to look into getting a house, um, the difficulty there is obviously the housing market's really bad right now, and this is something that, like, is really, like, biting at me because I don't understand realty and mortgages and, you know, real estate and stuff. I don't, I, I'm not super, like, intelligent with that stuff. Um, and, you know, we just had the wedding, so, like, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's biting at me. And it's also, like, it's rough because I do want to look for a new job. Um, but I can't because, you know, these places that help you get a house, um, they they look for consistent employment. Um, so I have to just kind of tough it out for a while. And, you know, it is what it is. And that sucks. You know, I, I wish there were measures I could take to make working easier or more enjoyable for me. But it seems like you know, just based on my job, it seems like every opportunity there is to make something easier, it doesn't become easier. Like, like something, something my company does kind of prevents it from getting easier. You know, I don't know. It's, it's tough to complain about. I'm not worried complaining about this on a podcast because I know five people listen to this show. So I'm, I'm not, worried about that and the other thing too is like the kind of job I work is one of those things where it's like they need all the people they can have there um and it stinks too because I know you know this is the job I fought to get back you know so 
to look at it from this perspective and, you know, it, it, it's like a real shift. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I didn't, I wasn't working. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it from all these different perspectives, but it's just been a lot and I'm trying to hold on to as much as my personal life as I possibly can and just bear the changes as they come. Uh, as I'm recording this, it's Wednesday, so I'll be having the guys over later to do a tabletop thing. Um, Friday, I have a tabletop thing with Seth, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and then I have the Saturday after that off, and so um, Macy and I are going to go to the flea market. So I have to, you know, pack my car up for that. And, uh, yeah, there's just, uh, there's stuff, but it's like, it, it, it's, I try to make plans, you know, I, and I, I really want to make plans with people in my life, but it, it's like, I don't know, I, I think I just need to be better with investing my time, because I only have so much personal time, I only have so much free time with Macy, and then I only have... And then the rest of the time is work, and that's a real pain in the ass. And it's not even one of those jobs where I go in at 9 a.m. and I leave at 5 p.m. and I drive home. It's Every day is different, but it's the same in the worst ways, and that kills me inside. You know, I wish I had more time to spend with people, and I wish I had a job that was more flexible in that way. But it really, it really just feels like recently um, that I don't own my life. So, um, I've been watching that What If show from Marvel on Disney Plus, and, um, I like it a lot. We're on episode two now. Um, let's see, the first one was, what if Peggy Carter was Captain Carter? And that was really good. And then, today's episode, which I really liked, um, was, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? Um, and that episode was really good. And I'm glad it was, because, you know, obviously it's one of the last things that Chadwick Boseman did, and it's a very good episode of that show, um, and I'm enjoying it a whole lot. I think it already got renewed for a season two, and, you know, it's it's good, you know? I, I can't wait to review it when the first season's up, so I can just talk about it more. Um, but as of episode one and two, I really like the show, and, like, honestly, <laughs> there's less of me having, like, like, I don't, because with, like, with the other Disney Plus shows, it was like, what what is Loki really about? You know, what what character divulging can I do into WandaVision? You know what I mean? But this show is just, it's fun, it's easy to watch, and it doesn't hurt my brain to think about. Even though it's a what-if show. So, that's really good. Um, something else that happened today, Wednesday the 18th, um, there was a Pokemon Direct um, on YouTube. They talked about uh, the Gen 4 remakes, which are coming out in November. That's like three months. And then they talked about Legends Arceus, and both those games look really good. I was really worried about them based on their first like presentations of those games, but uh, I'm super excited. Dude. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like Gen 4. I really should just do a podcast where I talk about Pokemon for like an hour, um, because I can do that, and I love Pokemon, but like... Um, I enjoyed Gen 4 a lot. Gen 4 was... It's not where I started, but, like, it came out around the time where where my brain and my attention span was, like, sharpened for a game like Pokemon. So, I like Gen 4, and, uh, what is it? 
uh, Legends Arceus just looks fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for those games. It's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, um, I haven't talked about this because, again, I've been freaking working 24-7. Um, recently, I've been trying to, like, replay Pokemon games. I think I think back when the, when the Gen 4 remakes were first announced, um, I bought Pokemon Heart Gold to play on my 3DS. Um, so I could re-experience that, because I love Gen 2, but I didn't want to play the original, I want to play the remakes, because they're just better, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did, I did Gen 2 with Heart Gold, um, recently, I think it was during my honeymoon, um, we got, well, Macy got me Pokemon Omega Ruby, which is the Gen 3 remake, um, and that's been fun too, I've been playing, I, I was playing that for a while, um, I think I'm, I'm on the post-game stuff now, but I enjoy that. And then, like, I finished that way earlier than I thought I would. There's still, like, three months before we get the Gen 4 remakes. And I was trying to figure out how to play Gen 1 again, right? Because I, I could have just bought, uh, what is it, Let's Go Pikachu again, but that's kind of expensive. And 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 the other thing is that I, I want, like, a... <laughs> I'd rather play Pokemon Fire Red than uh, Let's Go Pikachu, you know, even though Let's Go Pikachu is newer, I think, I don't know, Fire Red is just more challenging. So, and that's difficult because Game Boys are expensive and, like, Fire Red is kind of expensive. So, um, my buddy Paul let me borrow his emulator, so I've been playing Pokemon Fire Red. Um, so hopefully by the time Gen 4 comes out, uh, I will be finished with my Gen 1 adventure. And I'm trying to use Pokemon that I didn't use before, and, you know, it's... It's fun going back to older games when you have the context of how things work. You know, you weren't, you're not just throwing every, you're not just throwing Pokeballs at every Pokemon. That's how I used to play Pokemon. I used to collect every Pokemon, um, like mid battle, healing and reviving, just trying to like survive battles and like <laughs> beat the Elite Four with like a level 40 team of Pokemon. Um, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm trying to take a more calculated point from it and do it legit, you know? So, that's a little bit about what's going on in my life, but uh, we have the main topic today. <laughs> the main topic is Marvel Comics. I've been doing um, a couple episodes now where I relaunch Marvel Comics. Basically, if... What's a good thing here? Well, here, here's a recent thing. If I were an alien starfish who could control the minds of people by throwing other starfish on their faces... And I decided, okay, I'm going to take my evil starfish ass to Marvel Comics and just possess everyone. And now I run Marvel Comics. Here's what I would do. <laughs> um, I did uh, like 10 solo books between two of the last uh, podcast episodes. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about Marvel team books, which is exciting. I love talking about teams. And uh, yeah, let's just, let's just get into it. Again, this is like what I would do if I could pick a direction on these Marvel books. And uh, there is some running through lines, uh, mainly Iron Man and a couple other things, but, um, yeah, I, I just I enjoy talking about these, and I hope you enjoy me being passionate about them. So, starting with the obvious one, uh, Marvel's big team, the Avengers. Um, so, the Avengers recently have been, like, fighting big problems, like, like the Celestials and uh, Hell and Hell Hell Hell, hell uh, excuse me Mephisto and Ghost Riders and stuff, 
uh, moon gods. Like, the Avengers have been punching up for a while, and that's cool. Um, but for me, like, the most interesting variation of the Avengers are ones that are more, like, not street level, but I guess civilian, like, ones that make actual differences in the world. Um, and it's tough to do that because it's a superhero team, but you also want to make it relevant to the times. So that's kind of the direction I'm going with here. It's very Bendis, New Avengers, um, very Mark Wade Champions, because that's a team that I loved a lot back in 2016. Um, so that's essentially what I did. I combined, like, the Avengers with the concept of the Champions and added a few other little things in here. So the basic premise is that, you know, Tony Stark, who we talked about in the first episode of this series... Tony Stark has had visions of the future, and in every version of the future, it's messed up, and people have failed, and the world is not saved. And so, he's trying to make calculated, manipulative decisions to force a better world in the future. And sometimes that causes Tony to burn some bridges down, and other times he inadvertently creates, like, a good thing, you know? So... In, in The Avengers, it's just called The Avengers, that's the new book, <laughs> the new old book, um, it would basically start with Iron Man and Captain America teaming up, probably to take down some sort of super robot soldier brigade or something, you know, typical adventure for them. Um, and the two of them were talking about, uh, sorry, and the two of them would talk about kind of starting a new Avengers um, as like a public thing, you know, less of like, because this, this is how I feel about the Justice League as well. I feel like when you're a member of the Justice League or the Avengers, and you're not on the current roster, when you're not on the cover of a book, that doesn't mean you're not an Avenger or a Justice League member. It means, like, like the Avengers are, this, are like these six people right now who are taking care of problems. But if it gets to be a, li a little bit too much, we have this button that summons every Avenger. You know, like, it's... I don't know, to make a, a, a reference to, like a, like, a job, it's like having people on call, you know. But, uh, that's basically what, you know, this is sort of going with. So, you know, Captain America and Tony have this conversation about starting a new Avengers and everything, and Tony's logic is that the Avengers should be younger, modern superheroes who kind of speak for this generation. Um, because when the Avengers started in, like, the 60s, um, it was a little bit of a mishmash. You had this Captain America guy from the 40s. You had uh, the Hulk, who was a monster. You had Thor, who was a Norse god. But then you had kind of modern intellectuals like Hank Pym and like Tony Stark. So he's trying to push more of like a modern-day perspective on things, but he still wants Cap to be part of it because, you know, it's the blending of an, an old America sensibility and a new world sensibility. And he thinks the Avengers need that balance. Um, for too long, they've just been picking the same people over and over again. They need, f like, fresh blood and new ideas. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's a corporate initiative that gels with how the world works in, in like, the real world, you know what I mean? Um, it's always about bringing in new people so you can get, kind of, new perspectives. But you can also appeal to people you haven't appealed, bef like, appealed to before. So that's... Tony's perspective on it, and secretly Tony is like, in the long con, this will be good because these young heroes can be influenced and they can learn, 
like Tony knows that he makes mistakes, and so does every other superhero. But the benefit to having younger superheroes now is that they can learn from the mistakes of their teachers. So he's hoping that, you know, by the time someone like Miles Morales is in his 40s or 50s, he'll have better lessons to pass on to the next generation. So he's trying to strengthen the idea of the Avengers by giving it a more legacy focus. And, like, having the Avengers not be random either. Like, a lot of Avengers teams are brought together by accident and because the world needs them to but what tony is trying to do is he's trying to like get that lightning in a bottle and contain it himself um and we'll see if that works for him or doesn't you know so all that being said tony isn't actually on the team iron man is not a member of the avengers he's probably a reserve member he might come in on a few issues but uh for the most part he's not on the team he's kind of just an advisor he pays for stuff for them you know he he buys everything he probably provides them with, I don't know what kind of base I'd put them in. A helicarrier would be cool, because we really don't get that in the comics. But um, that could be cool, too, because the helicarrier can, like, float in the ocean. Um, but I think the Triskelion might work, too. That's, like, a big tower they have in New York. Um, it needs to be a, a, a location that's accessible to these characters. So, like I said before, Captain America is on the team. He's the leader of the team, but he's also open to ideas. You know, I don't want to do the thing where it's like everyone's telling him, well, you're from the 40s, your ideas don't count anymore. I don't want that. I basically want just Captain America as kind of like the former generation, and the rest of the team is the current generation. And I really like in comics, and I guess in fiction in general, I like in fiction when, let's say... A hardcore old world conservatist and a new world, you know, woke AF liberal can get along and be friends. That's why I like the relationship of Green Lantern and Green Arrow so much, right? Um, Hawk and Dove, I like that too. Um, but like, that's kind of what I want to do with this Avengers team is being able to have, and, and that's not to say Captain America leans one way or the other, but. I just think it's important to have a voice... Like, have, having a character like Captain America on the Avengers, it gives security to people that remember him, and it kind of makes it so they don't fear the new generation of heroes. That's my perspective. So Captain America's leading the team, but he's also open to people's perspectives and everything, because he's Captain America, he's great. Um, now, here's the thing. In my Captain America book, there would be kind of a year-long story where Steve Rogers is going to retire. And he kind of leaves the Captain America mantle up to the American people. And he's letting people vote in who in the superhero community should be the new Captain America. And that would also stay true in this Avengers book. Um, which obviously creates some kind of, like, not controversy, but like, it would lead to a lot of disputes between Captain America and the rest of the team. Because they're coming into it being like, you want us to be the Avengers, you got us all together... And you're just going to, like, leave and replace yourself with someone else? Like, what, are we supposed to babysit your replacement? And from his perspective, it's like, no, I just want the new Captain America to have, like, a team to go to and allies to look for advice. Like, like every superhero needs to be able to have peers to look for in times of need. And, like, that's what I'm trying to provide for my replacement, but it's also, like my gift to you. Like, if I'm leaving 
know that the person who's taking my place was voted in. Like, the, the person replacing me is who the people want, you know? So, Captain America, probably in, like, 30 issues, would be replaced. Steve Rogers would leave the team. He'd probably be an advisor, but for the most part, he wouldn't be part of the team anymore. Um, the person that would be voted in as the new Captain America would be this character, America Chavez. Um, she... It's kind of complicated. Hold on. So, uh, America Chavez, or Miss America, as she's also called, is a character that was created in 2011. Uh, let this be like a kickoff to what this team is going to look like. So she is, I think she's Puerto Rican. Um, yeah, she's Latin American. Uh, she is a lesbian as well. And she's a teenage character. She's like, I think 18 or something. Um, but she's been on a couple teams. She's been on the, the Young Avengers, the uh, A-Force, Ultimates. She's been on a couple teams. Um, and she's kind of like a combination of like maybe Wonder Woman and like Captain Marvel, right? Um, but America Chavez's whole deal is that she was born and raised in this utopian society. I think it was an all-woman, all-women, women, women society. Um... I don't know. But she was raised by two women in a parallel dimension. Um, and basically this dimension gave her her own superpowers. Um, and again, she's very similar to someone like Captain Marvel. She has super strength, super speed. I think she can fly? Yeah, she can fly. She also has energy blasts in the form of stars. Uh, and she can travel through different parallel dimensions by like kicking open portals. Um, she's a really fun character. Um, that's not just to say she's, like, again, a very 2021 kind of character, but also, she's, like, thrown sharks at Doctor Doom, and she's, like, punched holes in reality to get through, um, she's just a fun character, and it's also fun that, you know, she, she appeals to, I think, both crowds, she appeals to the crowd that's, like, representation people, you know, um, but she also appeals to the people that just like characters that are ridiculously strong and can do weird things. Um, and that's kind of Miss America's bag. And, again, we haven't had, and I'm saying we need to have this, but we haven't had a Latino Captain America. We haven't had kind of an official in-universe, um, female Captain America. And she's also a teenager, she's also a lesbian, like, she's got a lot going on for her in terms of representation, but... Also, the idea of her coming from another dimension kind of gives her the, like, like it would be cool to have a Captain America that wasn't born in America. I think that would really send a message and kind of show what side Marvel is on, you know what I mean? Um, but she would be voted in as a new Captain America, and like, you know, you can tell that story more in the Captain America book, but when it comes time for her to replace him, um, she joins the Avengers, and she's... You know, when she joins, she's like, well, clearly I'm the leader because I'm Captain America and I took his place. And then it's like, you get a little bit of, uh, not backlash, but like infighting between her and the other Avengers. Um, but eventually it settles out because they're young people and we need to show that this generation of young people can get over themselves. Um, even if that seems impossible sometimes. But like, yeah, we'd start with Steve Rogers and then after like 30 issues, it would be America Chavez um, in terms of members of the team, Cap would recruit, to start, he would recruit three characters who were on the Avengers as kind of Avengers in training, 
um, back in like 2015 when Mark Wade was writing the Avengers, he put um, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider Man, and Sam Alexander Nova. Um, he is Nova. That's not part of his full name, but but Spider Man, Miss Marvel, and Nova <clears throat> were put on the Avengers as Avengers in training. Um, eventually, though, they left the team because they were sick of like the Avengers would get in these big superhero fights and then just leave and be like, oh no, like construction crews will take care of the damage and, you know, city planners will take care of the, 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 the reconstruction and stuff. Like, and, and who cares about this train system? And, and like Kamala Khan would be like, guys, these people need to get to work. <laughs> like this, the city belongs to people. Like she, she kind of had a Superman perspective on it where it's like, no, we need to take care of the people, too. Like, we can't... Like, saving the people isn't enough. Rebuilding it and cleaning up messes, like, that's the what we should be doing. So, Miss Marvel had to disagree with the Avengers, and Miss Marvel, Nova, and, and Spider-Man left to form the Champions. And Steve Rogers wasn't on the team during that time, so this is kind of the first time we get to see Steve Rogers interact with these three characters in regards to what happened. The other big thing with Steve Rogers is that, you know, even if you're not a comic book reader, you probably know a couple years ago, Steve Rogers was part of Hydra. And it was this whole story. Um, during that story, uh, what is it? He, like, there is a prediction that Miles Morales would kill Steve Rogers, and he didn't. But I think that still creates an interesting tension between Steve and Miles um, that they have to kind of just, like, move on from. Like, it, like, Steve has to go to Miles and be like, listen, I know I was Hydra for a little while there, and uh, it got real scary, and, I, and you probably thought that you had to kill me. Um, sorry. <laughs> I hope that we can kind of move on from that. And that'd be a nice little, like, two or three panel conversation to just show that Steve and Miles, like, they're good, you know? But, like, you get Miss Marvel, you know, she's a cool character, she, I gave her her own book, she's in, like, the video games and stuff, she's gonna be, get a Disney Plus show, um, you get Miles Morales, who's super popular right now, you get a Spider-Man on the Avengers, which is awesome, um, this is the other responsibility that Miles has to deal with, I talked about this when I did the Miles book, and then I didn't give, uh, Sam Alexander, aka Nova, his own book, but he's gonna go here, you can't have, like, the three Champions characters without Nova, and compared to Miss Marvel and Miles, Nova isn't as popular, and he isn't as brilliant. But I think having a more down-to-earth character with kind of generic space powers um, help balance. Like it, it balances out the team, and it gives you a it gives you again a, a like ground-level character to relate to. You know, so that's Nova. Um, Another addition would be. Uh, Riri Williams, who is Ironheart, she's uh, this teenage girl who created her own Iron Man armor, and so she kind of like inducted herself into the Iron Man family. She's been around for a while. She's cool. Um, I think she'd work better in a team book than like in an Iron Man book, but she is here obviously as Iron Man's kind of uh, I don't know about replacement, but like representative, you know. Um, She's on this team, she's the tech specialist, you know, I'm sure she get along with Steve pretty well, because the two of them can talk shit about Tony behind his back. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ironheart would be here. Kate Bishop as Hawkeye. Um, again, she's going to be getting a Disney Plus show. 
Uh, she's in the video game as well. She's just, you know, a late teens Hawkeye, you know? Um, a lot of people think that she's better than Clint Barton. Like, not like better as a character, but better like in terms of she's better at being Hawkeye than he is, and I would agree to that. Um, she's cool under pressure. I think she'd be a fun kind of deadpan humor character. Um, you know, the Avengers get into fights, and then it's like, oh, out of nowhere, this one minion goes down because Kate Bishop was hiding and shooting arrows. Like, always on the lookout. Thank you, Hawkeye. Um, another character that wouldn't be in there from the start, but probably around maybe issue 25 or 26, like, or, or even later, maybe like issue 40, I don't know. Later on, uh, Cassie Lang would join the Avengers as either Stature or Stinger. I prefer Stature. Um, Cassie is the daughter the daughter of uh, Scott Lang, who again, in the movies, um, his daughter will be in the third movie as a teenager. Um, she does become a superhero in the comics. She's been on the Young Avengers. And I wanted to get to, like, both Kate Bishop and Cassie have been on the Young Avengers, and I wanted to get Young Avengers characters in this book. Um, and I like Stature a lot. The reason why she's not on the team from the get-go is because I do an Ant-Man miniseries later that would kind of preoccupy her. So when that Ant-Man miniseries is done, um, Kate Bishop would kind of show up at the end of that book and invite her onto the Avengers, you know? Uh, she's cool. It's always good to have an Ant-Man character on the team. It's always a useful power set. And then the last two members are kind of the wild card characters. Um, you might be familiar with these characters... Because they have, like, popular books for all ages. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Now, Moon Girl is this 10-year-old um, African-American girl. And I think she's, like... I don't know if she is the smartest. But she's among one of the smartest characters on Earth in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, who is described as the smartest character in the existing Marvel Universe. So that's you know, pretty big deal. She's, you know, the additional brains of the team. Um, she wouldn't be in the field as much. She would definitely be in the background uh, advising characters. You know, she is really smart, so that's a good use for her. She's also an inventor, so I'm sure she and Ironheart would make some cool tech for the team. Um, I think two of them get along well. I'm pretty sure they've been in books together. Like, she's... They created her in 2015. Like, she's been around for a while, but I'm sure she's met a lot of people. She's met Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange and everything, so, um, she's a big deal, and, like, similar to my Justice League pitch, I like doing superhero teams that take advantage of popular characters, so putting Moon Girl on the Avengers, I think, is a smart move, again, because she's, like, she's ten, or she's nine, whatever. She's nine, and she's the smartest character in the Marvel Universe, um, right now, and, like, you want that on the Avengers, and you want to kind of put her on stage and be like, this is the smartest person. This is the future right here. Um, and having her be on the Avengers would be interesting, too, because it's, like, a new form of pressure for her. Um, she is an inhuman, like Kamala Khan, and when she gets angry, she can switch minds with her friend Devil Dinosaur. And Devil Dinosaur is a character that's been around way longer. When was he created? Uh, in 78. Devil Dinosaur is, he's like, it says above normal intelligence. So he's like an intelligent Tyrannosaurus Rex um, with like super strength. He's like super strong. He's a T-Rex. What do you want? You know, <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't think he can breathe fire. For some reason, I thought he could. He cannot. But he's he's a T-Rex, and, like, he, he would be the one on field missions with, like, a little... Hmm. Do T-Rexes have ears? They probably have ears. He would have an earpiece that goes back to Moon Girl who, like, advises him on what to do. Because they're friends. They're best friends, right? Um, but, like... Like, can you just fucking imagine? The Avengers are facing this problem, and they're like, oh, man, what do we do? We need some, like... We need some strength. We need someone... Like, maybe they're fighting the Abomination or something, right? And Abomination is like, none of you are strong enough to fight me. You know, I'm I'm a Hulk in my own right. Who do you have, right? And Cap is like, all right, we need to bring in the big guns. And you have Abomination being like, what? You Do you have uh, Bruce Banner? Has he come, finally come out of the works? The the shadows? Or uh, you got She-Hulk, probably? Like, who? Who do you have to fight me? And, like, you know, the joke is that you keep expecting a Hulk to show up on this Avengers team. And it's like, no. Our Hulk is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Who just bursts into the room and you can do fun splash covers of, like, Cap riding the dinosaur. <laughs> or, uh, you know, Miss Marvel riding the dinosaur. But, like, just... That would make the Avengers so much fun, you know? I think that would get a lot of new readers if they were like, oh, the Avengers, yeah, they're like, you know, the the flagship superhero team of Marvel. Oh, my God, there's a dinosaur in this book. <laughs> so, that's them. They're on the team, too. It's just a... I think it's just a fun addition. I don't know. Take advantage of the popular characters you have right now. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's the Avengers. Um, in terms of, like, a villain threat, there was a team in the Champions book called the Freelancers who are a group, they're kind of like an anti-Champions. They're a group of superpowered teenagers who are for hire, and they work for various, like, corporations to enforce their power on people. Um, I would have the Freelancers get hired and recruited by... Uh, Baron Zemo, who's popular right now. He's dancing in the club as we speak. Um, and there's also a Captain America villain called The Natural, who is, like, a teenage boy who's, like, his own kind of, like, Winter Soldier-esque character. So Baron Zemo, The Natural, and the Freelancers would become the Masters of Evil and plot to destroy the Avengers, as well as the Avengers' reputation. So, yeah, that's uh, my Avengers book. Now let's talk about... My Fantastic Four book, because I, I like the Fantastic Four. I want to give them something to do. Um, this is another hard one. It's like, what have the Fantastic Four done already? So, I wanted to go at it from, like, a... Like, not an anthology. I guess, I don't know. Like, I wanted kind of a big team book. And you've seen these before. Like, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon is kind of what I'm going for. Um, there have been a, there have books, uh, there have been books called, like, Avengers World, which is, like, all these kind of self-contained stories about the Avengers being this big company that, like, not company, big superhero team that expands, like, just a big team book where every issue is kind of focusing on a different group of heroes doing a different task, um, and I think of that work, I think that would work for the Fantastic, uh, Four, um, the idea here is that there's, like, this new cosmic threat like a, you know, maybe a collaboration of evil aliens or something. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> maybe it's like, okay, here, just off the top of my head, there's a group of aliens and alien armies who are joining together to match the power of something like Galactus or something like Annihilus. Like, there are aliens out there who are sick of these cosmic threats 
And so they are taking it upon themselves to kind of just take over the universe themselves and hopefully equate to a power of Galactus or the or Nihilus. But, you know, them doing that is also them taking free will from people and taking over planets. So that's like a new threat in the universe. And this would be one of those things where it's like, maybe Tony Stark is involved. Maybe it's like, you know, he goes to Reed Richards saying one thing, Reed deflects it. But like, because the two of them are incredibly intelligent people. But I like the idea of maybe Tony outsmarting Reed Richards. Not because he's smarter, but because like, he plays to Reed's own like weaknesses. Because Reed has an ego, Reed has a sense of curiosity, and having Tony play to those traits and basically trick Reed Richards into thinking that he had an idea that was that was his own idea um, would be fun. I don't know. But, you know, if there's people at Marvel who are like, no, you can't have Tony Stark outsmart Reed Richards, fine. We don't need to have Tony be involved, but I, I wanted to connect it to my overall, you know, world <sighs> plot thread. There you go. <laughs> Figured out the word. Um, but Fantastic Four, the book, would be canceled and replaced with the Fantastic Forty because Reed Richards is expanding his, uh, his team. And the, I should say the title of the story arc is called The Final Foundation. Um, and the Fantastic Forty would be basically four teams led by the individual members of the Fantastic Four who all have specific missions in taking down, like, this new alien, like, army that's out there in the cosmos, right? So, you have the Thinkers, which is Mr. Fantastic, uh, Valeria Richards, which is his daughter, Zero-G, who's a member of, uh, the Power Pack, who has gravity powers, Herbie, who is the loyal robot of the Fantastic Four, Bentley-23, who's a clone of a scientist called the Wizard, who has gravity powers as well, well, no, he's got, like, gravity discs, or whatever. Um, Amadeus Cho, who's another intelligent, young character in the Marvel Universe. Um, I think he might still have Hulk powers, but if he doesn't, that's fine, too. He could have, like, a Hulk suit. That'd be cool. Um, Molecule Man, who can control molecules and is, like, psychologically unstable, so he's, like, a wild card on the team. Blue Marvel, who is kind of like... like Black Superman... But he's also, like, a... He's, like... He's, like, Superman, Mr. Fantastic, and Luke Cage as one character. If I had to compare him to anyone. But Blue Marvel is a super underrated character in the Marvel Universe. He's great. Uh, awesome Andy, who's a android with, like, adaptive powers. And a single Doom bot representing Doctor Doom. Who's, like, I'll help you on this galaxy-saving mission, Richards, but I won't go myself. I'll send a Doom bot to help you. Um, and as, you know, their, their team isn't even a, like, punch-the-problem-away kind of team. They are a science-smart team. They go on, like, diplomatic, uh, like, adventures, and they consult alien races. They create special machines to help different planets. Um, basically, they are helping boost the defenses of various planets from this space conglomerate. Um, then there's the Unseen, which... Uh, consists of the the Invisible Woman, Lightspeed, who's another member of the Power Pack with with flight and super speed powers, uh, Lija, who is a Skrull, she used to date Johnny Storm, uh, Anome, who is a scientist from Wakanda, 
uh, Tigra, who is an old school Avengers character. Um, she's like the cheetah from Wonder Woman. Uh, Quake, who's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and inhuman. She's one of the characters that's on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. She has seismic disruption powers. She's a you know, special agent, that kind of deal. Spider-Woman, another kind of espionage spy character. Member of the Spider-Man family, kind of. Um, so she's there. Spectrum, we talked about her a little bit when I talked about the Captain America book. Um, she is a Captain Marvel. She's got Captain Marvel-esque powers. Um, she's in WandaVision. You know her. Uh, Mockingbird, who's another agent character. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. She, I think, is either married or separated from Hawkeye. But she's kind of like Diet Black Widow. <laughs> and Night Nurse. Now, there's been a couple of different versions of Night Nurse. Um, I don't care which one. You could do a robot Night Nurse. You can do an alien Night Nurse. But essentially just a character who specializes in, um, in, like, medicine and treatment and surgery, like, it'd be kind of cool if it was a robot, but it'd be cool if it was an alien, it'd also be cool if it was just a regular healthcare worker from Earth, like, someone who's really good in her field, she's, like, they call her Night Nurse because it's, like, you know, an alliterative easy code name, but this could be, like, a female surgeon of, like, the highest regard, um, and the unseen are, like, scouts, right, they gather intel, um, they sneak into, like, foreign species of aliens and just, like, kind of watches them. They're, like, the reconnaissance team, right? Research team, that kind of deal. Um, they're useful because they can, you know, contact the thinkers and be like, okay, here's what's going on with this alien people. Here's how they're preparing for this alien war. Um, this is what they're doing wrong. We need you to think of a solution for that, and we'll transfer it to them. We'll, like, disguise ourselves as these people and enact these plans, Right? And then you have the Savers, which is the Human Torch, Mass Master, who's another uh, member of the Power Pack. He can control his density, like become a puddle of water or a stone man, like a stone man or a cloud man. He's fun. Uh, Frankie Ray, who is also gone by Nova, she's one of the heralds of Galactus. She has powers similar to the Human Torch. Uh, Impossible Boy, who. Okay, he's the son of a character called the Impossible Man, who's this green imp alien character with reality-controlling powers. Impossible Boy is a bit more down-to-earth, um, but he has trouble controlling his reality-altering powers. Franklin Richards is the son of Reed Richards and Susan Storm. He, I think, is a teenager right now, and he also has reality-altering powers, so I think him and Impossible Boy we just have real fun playing uh, superhero and coming up with powers for each other. Maybe they get into a, a big impossible fight. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Uh, Trapster. Now this is a character that's you know been a villain, but it has also been a hero sometimes. He's just a trap specialist. He creates like special adhesives and stuff, and this would be kind of his way of redeeming himself from being a a lame villain. Like Trapster used to be called Paste Pot Pete, so he's got a lot of redemption ahead of him. Uh, Wyatt Wingfoot, who's one of the few kind of just normal human dudes on the team. He used to work for She-Hulk. He's friends with Johnny Storm. He's just this uh, kind of proud Native American character. Um, again, no powers. Regular dude, right? But he's effective. He's like at peak physical condition. Uh, Hercules is the exact opposite, you know? <laughs> he's uh, a demigod, son of Zeus, a uh, friend of Thor. He's, he's been an Avenger. Uh, Hercules is a lot of fun. Uh, Namorita, 
who's Namor's cousin, I think? Cousin or niece? It's a female member of the Atlanteans, blue skin, uh, kind of just a warrior woman kind of vibe from her. And then the last member is Agent Anti-Venom, which is Flash Thompson. And I love Flash Thompson. Um, he's here kind of to substitute Spider-Man because Spider-Man has a strong relationship with the Fantastic Four. So Flash is kind of taking that place for Peter. And, you know, it's fun to have a Spider-Man character on the Fantastic Four. So he gets to be here. And again, he has his own special symbiote that isn't the Venom symbiote. His costume's like a Agent Venom, but inverse, so it's white with a black spider on it. He looks cool. He is cool. He's a super soldier, but also a Spider-Man. Flash Thompson's great. And those are the Sabres, and um, they're kind of there to be like a PR team. Like they, go to, they go and they save alien planets from, from more like understandable trouble. Like if there's a natural disaster on a planet, the Sabres will go there and save as many people as they can. And sort of spread the good word of the Fantastic Four and what they're trying to do. Again, they're like the face of the team. That's why they're called the Savers. They're the superhero team. Um, they take the fight directly to, um, you know, the evil alien conglomerate that's forming. And that's their place. They are the superheroes of the team. And then you have the Things team, the Clobbers. Because, um, duh. <laughs> and you have the Thing leading that team, Ben Grimm, obviously. Uh, Alicia Masters, who is the wife of the thing, she has the powers of the Puppet Master, which is to say she can create and control people with, like, little clay dummies. This isn't something she would often do, but, uh, you know, if she has to be used in this book, because I want her to be there, she's Ben Grimm's wife, so she's there, and if she has to, she'll use her puppet powers. Um, Energizer, not the bunny, <laughs> she, uh, she was also a member of the Power Pack, she has energy manipulation powers. She's just, like, a young girl who can, like, blow up a building with her mind. Uh, Miss Thing, this is, uh, I can't remember this, name's, this character's actual name, but she's an actress who has a superpowered Thing costume. Um, I don't fully know her deal, but she's been a member of the Fantastic Four before. Again, she's just, like, a regular woman who has a power suit that looks like the Thing. And you can do a, a fun change up where the costume looks different or it matches a different character uh she did date scott lang for a while so it'd be cool if she was like miss ant or something like she had a big buff ant-man costume i don't know um dragon man who isn't a real dragon he's an android i'm sorry <laughs> um he was an android that became good and he's based on a dragon so he can fly and breathe fire he looks kind of like a gargoyle he's great that's dragon man and then the Moloid Five. The Moloid Five are these characters that do exist. Um, basically, the Mole Man, which is a Fantastic Four villain, has these, like, subterranean humanoid creatures called the Moloids who work for him. And, like, they're, like, these tribal, like, monster people. But there are some Moloids that are smart, that, like, are smarter than the others, and end up, like, joining the Fantastic Four when they have the Future Foundation. So, the Moloid Five are just five Moloids who are really intelligent, but they're also Moloids. So, like, the five of them individually are just kind of smart, but all five of them together are, like, they're, like, equal, say, a Luke Cage strength character. Like, the five of them can't take down the thing, but they can distract him. You know what I mean? Um... 
also you can make references to the minions because that's you know that's fun. And the clobbers, the clobbers kind of just hang out on the sidelines. But like, if the thinkers, the unseen, or the savers need a distraction, or they need something big and powerful destroyed, they bring in the clobbers. The clobbers are like the the nuclear option. They're the strongest characters. They have a lot of power to them, and they'll come in and break shit if things need to be broken. And so, essentially, the Fantastic Forty comic book is going to be a series of adventures with each of these teams. And it's like, in order to solve kind of one universal problem, the thinkers need to do this thing over here. But in order to do that thing, the unseen need to do this thing here. And while they're doing that, the savers are distracting these people by doing a different thing over here. Like, these four teams of characters, because it's a lot of characters, but these four teams would all be basically working towards one goal, but from, like four different corners of the Marvel Universe. Um, and I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think that's a cool direction for the Fantastic Four that really expands, like, what they're capable of. Like, giving them kind of cosmic responsibility and turning them into, like... Because, you know, usually the Fantastic Four are a family. And for this mission, they're kind of like... It's kind of like a family business. And I think that'd be a cool direction. So we talked a little superheroes, talked a little space. Um, let's talk about... We'll do the other space book. <laughs> let's do the other space book right now. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. This one shouldn't be too long. Um, so the Guardians of the Galaxy right now are kind of like the Green Lantern Corps. They're like an army, like Silver Surfer, Beta Ray Bill. Um, you know, obviously like Drax, Gamora. Um, you know, some scroll characters, some Kree characters, like all kinds of space characters are part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're a bigger team. This isn't an opinion I share with a lot of different Marvel properties, but my favorite version of the Guardians is the movie version. I like the idea that they're kind of just a group of space mercenaries, like space Robin Hoods, and I like that. I like that they're kind of like dirty in that way. Um, so, to sort of get away from um, the big superhero team, Guardians of the Galaxy. I wanted to do a new Guardians of the Galaxy book, and it's called The Guardians of the Galaxy, with the first arc being called We're Not the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's a new team. It's, uh, you know, kind of starting from the ground up. You're not getting Rocket, you're not getting Groot or Peter, and I'm sorry. <laughs> They'll probably show up in later arcs, but the book is about a new team of characters who are just kind of like... It, I, I approached it like... If Guardians of the Galaxy was a and d campaign, and the basic story here is that it stars Yondu, who, there's two versions of Yondu in the comics. There's the original version who lives in the future, has a big fin on his head, and wears a leotard. And then there's the current version of Yondu, who is like a relative of the future one, and the current Yondu is more or less the one from the movies. Um, so that's kind of what we're working with here. Yondu is kind of just this, like, space criminal who has a, you know, a Robin Hood sensibility, but is mostly out for himself, and he's doing this big heist, right? And he hires some specific alien characters to help him on this heist. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but Galactus has a spaceship that follows him around. And Galactus can change his shape and stuff, so he can use the spaceship. But in the spaceship are, like, deadly weapons from throughout the universe. Uh, in fact, the first time the Fantastic Four beat Galactus, they do it by Reed Richards going into Galactus's ship and taking the ultimate nullifier and threatening him with it. So he has this ship, 
and the idea would be because of other space stuff, probably involving the galactic um, conglomerate I mentioned in Fantastic Forty, um, Galactus just isn't around, or at the very least, he leaves his ship behind. And it's, like, super secure and everything. So Yondu puts together a little team to do a heist and break into Galactus's ship. And the team he puts together is mainly, like, original characters, but, like, from races of characters that exist in the Marvel Universe. Again, very D&D-ish, you know? So he's got a, uh, a mercenary named Craig Orr, who is a member of the Judan. And the Judan are like, imagine a lizard head, like just a lizard head, and then give it four arms and four legs. Like people arms and people legs. Kind of like a fucked up lizard Kirby. Like if Kirby ate a lizard man, that's what a, a Judan is. And Kragor is this mercenary, so he's got a bunch of guns, and he's probably got like a missile launcher on his back. He's like kind of your Rocket Raccoon character. Um, but he's also this like super religious mercenary like every kill he does he does it for his god because his species of aliens are very religious and then you have hatch and hatch is a engineer she's laxadazian which is a race of aliens that kind of look like halflings from lord of the rings um pip the troll is a laxadazian character but they're just like these short halfling characters hatch is you know a female character Probably a big mound of, like, 80s starfire hair on her head. Um, maybe she's got, like, a romantic thing going on with Yondu, and that's kind of funny. But uh, she's the engineer of the team. She's the pilot. Um, <clears throat> you have a Corbinite surgeon named Ted. Uh, if you know Batery Bill, that's what a Corbinite is. Basically a big orange person with a horse head. Um, the inverse here is that Ted... He's less of a surgeon and more of, like, a shaman. Like, he's got magical abilities, but, um, he's also religious, he's also magic, and he uses that magic to heal people. So he's there as their healer, but also in case they come across anything supernatural along the way. And, yeah, Ted is, like, the inverse of, uh, a Beta Ray Bill. He's not a heavy hitter, he's a healer. And obviously him being a mystic and, uh, what is it, Kragor being religious, they would kind of butt heads every now and again. Um, and then you have uh, R304. <laughs> R304 is a gladiator robot. He's like this black metal gladiator robot. He He's an existing character. Uh, WWE wrestler and current MMA fighter CM Punk wrote a Drax, uh, Drax the Destroyer series for Marvel not too long ago, and, uh, he created, like, this gladiator robot who seeks, like, a glorious death, so I brought him back, because he's still alive, um, and, and that's why he joins Yondu's little crew here, he's like, yeah, I'll fight for you, but only so I could die victorious and, and proudly, and the joke is that every time R304 thinks he's gonna die in a fight, uh, he doesn't, <laughs> and it saddens him, and then, uh, yeah, that's, that's the starting team. There is one more member later, but, like, they would do this heist mission in, in Galactus's ship, um, try to steal as much, like, technology as they can, overcome the defense systems, like, robots and lasers and, you know, trap rooms and stuff. Again, D&D campaign, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> that's what they would do. And while they're there, they kind of accidentally unleash this, like, cosmic horror, like, something like, like, Lovecraftian in nature, 
and because it's like when the mission's over and Yondu and the rest of the crew walk away with all these riches and they're like, Alright, bye, we're all gonna like separate and go on our separate paths. They can't. Like Yondu and the rest of the team, I guess except for the robot, <laughs> they have these nightmares, like regarding this monster and how it's just out there. So the five of them would join back together and hunt it down. And the, and the series would kind of be, again, like, science fantasy adventures with, like, different planets and adventures and jobs along the way. You know, different campaigns, basically. But the through line is that they're trying to find this monster that got out. And along the way, um, they would meet another character named uh, Starhammer. His real name is v uh, Vuk, um, but he uses the term Starhammer as a name. He's... Okay, he's a men he's a member of the Dabari, which, if you know the Phoenix from X Men, when Phoenix becomes Dark Phoenix, she destroys a planet. She destroys the planet of the Dabari, and Vuk is one of the last members of his alien race, and he dresses up like a space um was a space, what's the word? Not mercenary, a space marine. Like he's got big bulky armor and stuff, and he's just this angry alien who lost his whole planet. And the idea would be when he when Starhammer starts a new planet for the Dabari, you know, whatever members are left, it is also ravaged by the space monster. So as a result, the new Guardians of the Galaxy, who aren't the Guardians of the Galaxy, are going on missions and taking jobs just so they can find the space monster. And it could be as simple as like, we need to go hunt down this alien beast hunt it and bring it back to this village and they'll pay us to fix our engine so we can go find that space monster, right? But along the way, Starhammer is chasing them to either help them or kill them for unleashing that space monster. Um, again, it's essentially not the Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's like a new Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's, uh, that's that book. Again, I'm going to try to go faster because I, I talk a lot. Um, Heroes for Hire is a book that I think needs to exist right now. Um, the team used to be Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and, you know, they used to be Heroes for Hire. You need to be protected, you need to find your daughter or something, you call these guys, you pay them, and they go do that for you. Um, in the modern day, they're more like the A-team, but like a community A-team. So, Luke Cage and Iron Fist put together this new business, it's the new Heroes for Hire, and... You know, they work out of New York, and the idea would be, like, they have people on their staff who are specifically there to help for specific problems. So if you call Heroes for Hire and you have a problem, they'll send the people or person um, equipped for that situation. And whatever money they make from solving the problem, Luke Cage puts back into the community. You know, he fixes up schools, and he fixes up playgrounds, and, you know pays for monuments and stuff like it's a community effort it's no longer heroes for hire we're getting ourselves paid it's heroes for hire we're working for the people we're, we're working for the people for the people that kind of deal um so you have luke cage who's obviously in charge of the business um he can do stuff like bodyguarding he can you know do investigative work he's been an avenger so that status kind of carries with him pretty well and he really owns up to this new businessman, like, he's been a businessman, but he's now a leader, and he's done that too, he's been a leader on the Avengers, and I like the idea that Luke is like, I'm using a lot of my experiences with the Avengers to help me direct the heroes for hire now, 
and the kind of person I want to be. And it's kind of like Luke opens the Heroes for Hire to do things he couldn't do as an Avenger. You know, since since Iron Man won't come down here and fix the neighborhood, I guess I'll have to. Um, and again, we have Iron Fist. I don't know if Danny Rand is the Iron Fist right now or if he gave it up, but uh, whatever. Danny Rand, Iron Fist, whatever. Again, protective work, but he's also rich himself. And I don't think he would fund... He would fund the Heroes for Hire, but he would definitely, like, sub out parts of his money to different parts of the neighborhood. That kind of thing. Like, he's he's wealthy. Um, but he's also a businessman in his own right. So it's like, you need help because you're afraid of that your boss embezzling. You know, Iron Fist will help you with that. Not by punching him, but with business stuff. And then maybe punching him. But he's also... You know, a martial artist, so bodyguarding is a thing he can do. Uh, Jessica Jones, you know, wife of Luke Cage, uh, expert investigate investigator, detective, that's the word I look for. So again, if you need a detective, you can call the Heroes for Hire and Jessica Jones will be there. Um, then you need a lawyer, they have Foggy Nelson on the team. Foggy Nelson, the best friend of uh, Matt Murdock. Um, and it's fun because Foggy isn't a superhero, but he's on this team book as a legal advisor, and I think that's, I think that's cool. Um, you have Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, um, two characters that have been in the Netflix shows. Misty Knight is a former cop, Colleen Wing is a modern-day samurai. Again, bodyguard work, detective work, um, just, you know, two, two just badass chicks, you know, <laughs> that can do whatever. Um, let's see, uh, Power Man and White Tiger, Power Man, he's not Luke Cage. Luke Cage used to use the name Power Man, but this is a new Power Man. Um, I think his name is Victor. Uh, he's mixed. He's, I think in his early 20s. Or he's a teenager. You know how Marvel is. But Power Man, uh, he's kind of a mix of Iron, Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage. Uh, because he uses the Power Man name, but he taps into Chi Power to be super strong and stuff. Um, and I think the idea is that Victor Alvarez, which is his name, the smarter he is and the, and the more knowledge he has, the stronger his chi power will be, become. So he's a fun character. I wanted to put him somewhere. Um, and I think he kind of belongs with the Heroes for Hire. And again, you have some young blood on the team. Um, yeah, he's cool. Uh, <laughs> you have White Tiger, um, who is Ava Ayala, and she's cool. Uh, Latino character, martial artist, uh, whole white tiger getup and, uh, you know, visage. I don't know if she still has the white tiger powers right now, but regardless, again, like Danny Rand, she can be a helpful superhero on this team book. Um, it also helps to have a Latino on the team when you're dealing with New York, so uh, she's there. Uh, let's see. Oh, Electra, who... Not, not you. <laughs> the robot in my house responded. Lectra is, um, she's an assassin character. You know her from Daredevil stuff. Uh, in the current co comics, she is Daredevil. And in my book, in my Daredevil book, she is Daredevil as well. And Electra would be, not, like, not a public member of the team. Like, <laughs> like when you look at the Heroes for Hire and ads and stuff, she isn't there. No mention of Daredevil, right? But if Luke Cage gets a job in, and he's like, I... This is a little outside of what we do. I have Daredevil's number. Like, she's on the employ, but she isn't, like, a public member of the Heroes for Hire, because she's, like, 
she's Daredevil. She carries weapons and stuff. Like, she's a bit too extreme to put in the, the public books, right? And then uh, the last member of, is Cardiac. He's a Spider-Man character. He's African-American. He's a... I think he used to be a doctor. But he has electricity powers. And he's called Cardiac because he can, you know, be a defibrillator, basically. And because he's a medical professional, he's there to help with medical issues. Like, you need a doctor? Call Cardiac, right? Um, and that's basically the book. And in terms of a threat, I think it'd be kind of interesting if... There was, like, a union of characters who used to be prisoners, and because they're former criminals, they can't get jobs, they can't get work, um, and their thing is, like, we're gonna band together and be a new team of criminals, like, we're a new crime organization, like, clearly we can't get work in the world that we've come back into, so we have to just go back, like, we're, we're all together because we're criminals, and being criminals makes it hard for us to adapt into this world, so we're going to make them accept us, and they become, like, a criminal team. Um, but the way I solve that problem is when Luke stops them from doing their big crime stuff, he just hires them. Like, Heroes for Hire expands even more to where Luke is hiring people in the community. He's hiring people who used to be convicted felons, but they want to change. <clears throat> He's hiring... Uh, like, teenagers and kids kind of as interns to help keep, like, a neighborhood watch. Like, he is building a community superhero team. Okay, last book we're going to talk about, uh, The Defenders. And this is the magic team book. Um, the Defenders have gone by very, a lot of different identities. The, the original Defenders was, like, Silver Surfer, Namor, Doctor Strange, and Hulk, like, just powerhouse characters. Um, more recently there was the Bendis Defenders, which is like the street level characters that you saw on Netflix and stuff. Um, I think there's a Defenders book now, but my Defenders is a magic team book. And the idea here is that, you know, Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme, right? He protects our universe from magical threats. Um, and so he has a, he has a lot of work to himself, but I like the idea that Doctor Strange is like, Maybe it would be easier if I just built a team. Like, he's not looking for a successor. He's not building a school for sorcerers. Doctor Strange is literally like, it's my responsibility to protect the world from the supernatural. But there's nothing in the rule book saying I can't have a staff. So, basically Doctor Strange is going to do half the work of a Sorcerer Supreme because he's got a team to back him up now, right? And... It's kind of, uh, like, relevant, because for this book, I would have, like, a new team of evil sorcerers uh, called the Witnessed Ones, who are students of Agamotto who tried to betray the sort like, betray Agamotto. Like, how do I put this? Agamotto is, like, the first sorcerer of the Marvel Universe, right? And the necklace that Doctor Strange wears is called the Eye of Agamotto, which lends him... Agamotto's magical powers. And we've met Agamotto in the comics a couple times, but the idea is that when Agamotto first existed as the Sorcerer Supreme of the Marvel Universe, he tried to have students who would help him. They eventually tried to betray him, and so Agamotto sealed them away inside the bloodlines of monsters and demons. So, after a millennia, or after some sort of cosmic event, or universal event, um, what is it? Uh, Agamotto, like, his students that try to betray him, reawaken. 
So there's, like, a demon in hell that, like, something clicks in his head, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm a student of Agamotto. He sealed me away. That bastard. I'm going to kill his um, successor, Stephen Strange. <laughs> and it's the same for demons and monsters, maybe even a couple of magical aliens. Basically, they're just this group of monsters and demons who team up because they like they they were like locked away for so long, and now they've been revived as these creatures of power. And Doctor Strange needs their needs help, because these aren't just like regular supernatural threats. These are threats that know him, and know Agamotto. And that's kind of a fun parallel because, obviously, Agamotto like had to fight his own students, and so, it's like ironic, I guess, in a way. It, it's it's like a mirror because. Agamotto has students that he wants to, like, recruit and teach to make his job easier as Sorcerer Supreme, but they betray him. Year, like, you know, now in the modern day, Doctor Strange wants his own team of Sorcerer characters to help him lighten the load. So, you have the whole thing of Agamotto, maybe his ghost or his spirit, being like, Strange, you're doing the same thing I did. You're, you're, you're solving the problem that I created from, you know, all that time ago, but you're only replacing it with your own new problem. And again, you could have Iron Man be kind of involved in this. He and Stephen Strange have been on the same team before, um, but it's not a demand, right? So on Doctor Strange's team, you have uh, Scarlet Witch. You know her. She's in WandaVision and stuff. Um, she's got magic powers and stuff. Excuse me. You have Ghost Rider. Um... Did I write down which one? I didn't. Well, I prefer Robbie Reyes. Robbie Reyes will be on this team. Um, he, he has this brother that he has to care for. Um, I like the idea of, you know, you have the, the, the Defenders, right? The comic. I like the idea of in every backup, there's like a two-page story of Wong, who of course is Doctor Strange's, um, I don't know, helper? And... Uh, Gabe, who is Robbie Ray's younger brother, who's in a wheelchair. Actually, I think he's on... I think he's on... Not stilts. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think he's on crutches now. But he's Robbie Ray's brother who needs to be cared for. I like the idea of you have this big adventure with the Defenders, and Robbie Ray's is there working with Doctor Strange, and it's really cool for him, because he gets to just be on a team. I mean, he's on the Avengers right now, but whatever. <laughs> Doesn't belong there. Robbie Ray is hanging out with his team members, and in the back of the book, it's, like, a story about Wong and Gabe trying to, like, just go to the bank and, like, deposit some money, but they run into, like, some supervillain problem. I like that. I like the adventures of Wong and Gabe, you know? So Ghost Rider's there. He's cool. He's driving a car. No motorcycles in this book. Uh, Blade, the vampire hunter. Everyone loves Blade. He's going to be in this. He's going to get a movie, so, you know, relevant. Black Knight, who's another sword-wielding character. I kind of forgot that I put him here. Um, but uh, he's cool. He's crazy. His sword talks to him. Um, and he's like this medieval knight character. And he's here. Um, he's also rich, I think, so that helps. Uh, let's see. Man-Thing, who's kind of like Marvel's Swamp Thing. He's just this big swampy monster. He can't talk. He bases everything on emotion. Uh, he can burn you with a touch of his hand. And he's, you know, just the fun, you know, you need like a kind of cute but really powerful monster character on the team, and it's going to be Man-Thing. And, again, you can do you can do adventures where it's like, in, in the backups, like, you know, Gabe hangs out with Wong in one issue, 
But then Gabe hangs out with Man-Thing at an issue, and that's kind of cute, you know? Um, you can do a story where <laughs> where Wong hangs out with Black Knight, and they have to solve their own problem, and Wong has to wield the Black Knight's sword. Like, I don't know, fun stuff like that. And then the last member is uh, Elsa Bloodstone. She's a monster hunter. Uh, I think she has regenerative powers. Like, she has a healing factor. But she's just this cool um, British monster hunter. She's, you know, she's badass. She's got an attitude. Um, she doesn't really have magic powers. She uses, like, conventional weapons and stuff. So she has, she's kind of like a down-to-earth type of character. Um, but she's cool. I don't know if you'd pair her with anyone. I kind of like the pairing of her and Blade, especially because Blade is technically a monster. I mean, so is Man-Thing, so having else, having Bloodstone kind of go against the grain and work with monsters would be kind of fun. And to see her kind of, like, like passive-aggressively flirt with Blade would be cool. But, uh, yeah, and the idea is that some, for some adventures, Doctor Strange is there, and he's part of the team, and he's, and he's helping them out. For other adventures, he, he's pulling double duty. He can't be there physically, so the team has to do the job that Doctor Strange would do. So, yeah, that's the Defenders. Um... And their opening arc is called Accolades of Agamotto. And yeah, those are the team books. Uh, the Avengers, the Fantastic Forty, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Heroes from Hire, and uh, the Defenders. I, I, I realize I didn't like list off what these were at the top of the show, but whatever. I'll try to remember that next week. Um, next time, we'll go over five limited series. And then the following week, we'll do the other five limited series. And uh, that'll be that. Um, I love, again, I love team books. I love the idea of characters interacting with each other and getting new reactions out of characters that maybe haven't met each other yet. Um, and again, I tried to be as creative as I could about, you know, if there's a space problem, what is the space problem? Who can solve it? What, what are they going to do? And then, you know, there's a magic issue. Who do you get for that? Like, I, I like the idea of just team books filling different niches. Like, if you're the kind of person that doesn't like space stuff or magic, you want to read about kind of traditional superheroes, boots-to-the-ground action stuff, that's what The Avengers is for. But if you don't want a book that's, like, super preachy, or you want a book that's full of characters that, you know, have been around longer. Like, if, you know, if, you know, if you're a Marvel fan that doesn't like newer characters, then you read Heroes for Hire, you know? Like, if, you, if you're a fan of Marvel, but you want to read Guardians of the Galaxy, but it doesn't match what the movies are, then you have a Guardians of the Galaxy book that is essentially a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Um, and I think that's fun. I think a lot of people would kind of flock to books that have different appeals. So that is this episode. Those are the team books for my big Marvel pitch. I hope you enjoyed. Um, I know I enjoyed talking about them. Much more of a longer episode. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to record the other one this Friday or maybe Thursday morning, but um, I appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. Um, I really enjoy recording, and I wish I could do more of it, and I hope that the things I do record are able to entertain you and help you get through your days, um, because thinking about recording and thinking about what I can talk about to people it helps me get through my days. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye.